You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today we are here with Julie Bosma and Amy Morris from RAMP, a not-for-profit with provides services and advocacy for people with disabilities. Talk to us about service for people with disabilities. What is that? That's always that's the hardest question we always get because um, we actually, in our, our, our code where we have 20 services that we provide for individuals, but basically the bottom line is that individuals with disabilities have often been marginalized in our society, and so what we try to do is services that will wrap around them, that will provide them with independence so that they have their fair opportunity in the in the world. So if they need help finding housing or getting a, an equitable education or um, going shopping or whatever it is, we'll come wrap around them. So I mean, I could sit here and list all of our services. Sure, we yeah. provide it for traumatic brain injury and independent living skills training and peer support, but that doesn't mean much to the average person so I think that's probably the biggest misconception too about ramp is you know because of our name people think of a ramp so they think oh we serve people with physical disabilities only yeah. but we serve any disability any age and so it's you know we get anybody from child you know kids in school who need help with their IEPs or adults who have acquired a disability later in life in the in the gamut in between so. oh yeah the IEP thing is interesting because my daughter has one and we were struggling and and, and she's in the Harlem district and they've been great just been great mm -hmm. except there was freshman year we had uh, some issues and I, th I think uh one of somebody said just tell them you're gonna get ramp involved and things will start happening and we did we sent an email yeah. and said well we're gonna go to ramp got an email back from the principal that day yeah <laughs> things really? started to get changed well harlem is a great school district yeah. and we've yeah. done a lot with them and 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 you know and i don't think school districts are afraid of us we're yeah. just we're the mediator mm -hmm. so we're the ones to come in because you usually have two groups that are kind of at odds and one wants something you know pretty extensive and one can't has to pay for it and so we're the ones to kind of try to come in and be the voice of reason and say okay well here's here's maybe the media the mm -hmm. middle ground and, and what's best for the child yeah right and bring it all back down to that because sometimes adults we adults mm -hmm. mess things up especially the, moms yeah. <laughs> you know we're passionate <laughs> <laughs> right, right. well i think we should outline you know an iep people you know we just kind of throw these terms around right. but individualized education plan and it's mm -hmm. really just a plan that's put in place for students who have a disability and it just outlines what their plan is and we really encouraged that you know at at the very beginning that the students involved in that process and that they're at the table because this is their life it's their plan and so that's just one thing that we really advocate for back to your original question yep. in terms of you know making sure that the student is starting to be a part of that process and learning how to advocate for themselves how big hold on, how big is your is your area that, that because you don't have a huge staff right how many people work at ramp and how big is your territory? So we serve four counties. We serve Stevenson County to our west. We're in Winnebago County, Belvedere or Boone County to our east, and then DeKalb County. Um, and we've got about 38 staff. And so, and we've got a full-time office in each of those counties. So um, I wanted to go back to what Amy said too about the schools, that we also are doing curriculum in the schools because our idea is that we don't want families and children to get to that point where they're at odds with their school district. So we are in the school district starting starting at um, kindergarten, and we're teaching curriculums, trying to educate the students and really the teachers right along with them about what it looks like to appreciate people's disabilities and not to um, define them by that. And so with the little ones, we really, we teach them kids with and without disabilities side by side about what is what does it mean to have autism? What does it mean to be visually impaired and, and all that? Because kids are just little sponges and they'll absorb it and then they'll grow up to be adults that won't care. It's just part of the human condition. Um, 
and, and, and that's what's exciting for us is when people then learn it early on and they embrace it in life and they become either an advocate themselves or an employer or a school district principal and they're like, oh, we've got kids with disabilities. Oh, we just have to accommodate, you know? And really you're accommodating everybody right. regardless of your disability or not. So um, that's what we really like. That's the kind of the proactive things that we like to do so that we're not having to fight a school district over an IEP. We will and we'll do it, but um, we really love when people get it and learn and change because now your daughter is going to be a great advocate and she's going to understand that going forward and wherever she works or lives or plays she's going to be you know a, an advocate on her own behalf and and for others as well and it is one of those things where i think i think as you as you talk about it the people are well-intentioned absolutely right i mean most most people in the world are not absolutely. just terrible and out to get everybody absolutely. else but yeah. we're just uneducated and don't don't understand anything outside of our own our own kind of myopic viewpoint mm -hmm. We kind of view ourselves, I, I say this once in a while, we're kind of like a funeral home. <laughs> you don't okay. want us to, you have to. <laughs> <Right>. I know. <laughs> Amy's like, what? Wow, but it's, it's just one of those yeah. things that you really don't pay attention to or think about until you need. Yeah. And so if you've never had a disability, if you've never had a child with a disability, you really, you don't, it's it's not yeah you don't mean to be ignorant about these things but mm -hmm. there's enough things for you to pay attention to and so all of a sudden if that comes into your life whether as an employer a parent whatever a teacher um, all of a sudden you have to learn about things and and really people are very well intentioned mm -hmm. and I think a lot I mean you look at how things just change over time when you talk to um, you know the older population they probably still use the word handicapped and we're like what oh right. my gosh <laughs> you know that's so cruel to say that word well they're not trying to be that's right. just the it's generation the right yeah. now we use the word disability in another 10 years it'll, that will probably be you know inconsiderate and there'll be another word that we use and so it's not usually the words that we use it's your intent and the way that you're treating people and and hopefully you know if you if you use your words with with kindness they're not us um, insulting unless sure. you're using something negative behind it. And if you're willing to unlearn a word mm -hmm. that, that has, has for whatever reason become offensive right. mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it always was offensive you know, to a certain population. Mm -hmm. And now before our, before our broadcast we were talking about um, you, you employ people with disabilities as well. Absolutely. Uh, and you've got a blind person who works with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were spending some time in the kitchen talking about, you know, knives and dishwashers and that type of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and it could be as simple and it's, you know, I've never, I've never considered. You know, will it, would I see the knife and where it's located, or would I see where the coffee is located, mm -hmm. and I just kind of throw it anywhere, mm -hmm. in general vicinity? But you, you, but part of what you're teaching people is, is when you have someone with a specific disability, then you need to, you need to. It's not. It's more than accommodating, right? It's just being respectful. Absolutely. You know, for that person in a different way than we need to be respected. You kind of have to think about it. Yeah. It, the whole disability um, movement kind of came out of the civil rights movement, and it's all about just treating all of us fairly. Um, so, you know, the civil rights for minorities or women or you know individuals with disabilities. Again those those people in society who were marginalized and yep. continue to kind of be that's the whole idea is that we're all just thinking and and again people don't mean to be ignorant but you they have to be educated so that they can change their thinking um yeah i, I mean it's, well you know we you know as we talk about all different types of disabilities and yes mm -hmm. you know as a center for independent living which is what we are um 
50, at least 50% of our staff and board of directors by our bylaws must have a disability. And so, you know, we have all kinds of different disabilities and we do educational, you know, lunch and learns or at our all staff meeting um, from individuals from our own staff that will teach us about their disability, you know, the deaf culture. And, you know, there's different cultures, there's different um, things that you learn and you don't mean to be offensive, as we said, but then Mm -hmm. as you learn about it, you adapt to it so that you're not offending somebody, you know, things like somebody who is deaf that you should tap them on the back of the shoulder to get their attention or that you should, of course, look at them directly so that if they read your lips that they can read your lips you shouldn't you know talk to them with your with your head turned and things like that and it's just no different than um, some of our coworkers in the past you know I've asked specifically which is nice you have like a whole peop- room of people you can say hey is this offensive and you can yeah. ask them straight up you know is it offensive if I say to somebody who's a u- uh, wheelchair user hey you want to go for a walk well no it's just you know they'd be offended if you said hey you want to go for a, a oh a wheel well you know right. they don't they don't <laughs> want you to treat them differently they want yeah. you to use the same language you would use for anybody else it's sim- as simple as um, saying to somebody that is blind do you see what i'm saying right well they don't physically see what you're saying but they get yeah. the slang my 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 youngest daughter also has a thing called anosmia which i'd never heard of which is she can't is. smell Oh, oh really? no sense of smell. Who has that? And so every once in a while, uh, somebody, you know, like at the house will be like, oh, that smells really good. <laughs> and in a joking way, she'll be like, thanks. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. It's just it, interesting. Which changes uh-huh. all yeah. sorts of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know, food and mm-hmm. everything else. Mm-hmm. She can she can taste, though. She can taste. That's yeah. the weird thing. And and I, you know, I told her, I said, in a lot of cases, that's kind of probably an advantage, right? Yeah. <laughs> but another friend of mine, I, I'd never heard of this until... Uh, my daughter but then somebody posted on facebook this happened to her uh her dog got outside and got sprayed by a skunk oh man. and but she can't smell oh jeez. so she so let she the dog in <laughs> and so the dog was there for five or six hours and then the husband oh. comes home and he's like oh my god <laughs> it's been and, all over and, the house well and you, and you can't get that out they can't get oh. that smell out of your out of your um furniture yeah. they ended up spending two grand <laughs> oh, on new geez. furniture really? he's like i'm not even gonna mess with this he just had it all carted out he didn't just nice. spread tomato juice all over <laughs> they, they, they tried it for like a half a day Stop and it. he's like no this is i'm just gonna buy and their carpet stuff. was stained red <laughs> their couch everything <laughs> I think the key for us, too, is that um, accommodating people. So we we try to make this the fabric of what we say. So if we're inviting somebody in for an interview, if someone's coming to our office for whatever reason, um, is do you need any accommodations? Because you just never know what people are dealing with. And unfortunately, individuals with disabilities have really... Um, People just haven't taken their their viewpoint into, you know, they think steps to a building is beautiful. Well, it might be, but if you're using a wheelchair, if you have difficulty walking, that all of a sudden that building becomes inaccessible to you. And that's not fair. And so just stopping and thinking about that, if you were in there shoes how would you feel about that and again people don't mean to be ignorant but a lot of times you miss it because if you can smell and somebody else can't you can't you can't even comprehend what that's like for the most part because your human experience is so different why well, did your wheelathon 10 or 15 years ago oh thank you uh, and uh you know just and when it was over just thinking about the city of rockford and mm-hmm. the issues with sidewalks mm-hmm. right because yeah. this wheelathon i mean i since i'm wasn't good at it right i pitched over three times <laughs> yeah. because i didn't see the obstacle coming or mm-hmm. didn't you know i didn't build up enough speed for it or whatever right. 
But, the, you know, the city of Rockford has to think about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. have probably, you did it a long time ago, and there's been actually quite a bit of yeah. advancements, you know, with the curb cuts in that sense mm-hmm. then. Um, we've advocated with them, and they've worked with us to make some improvements. I bet, because I think I recall you telling me it's probably been about 10 years ago that you did yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I think they've I remember when I started, they said, first of all, one guy goes, you didn't bring gloves? Yeah. No, he said, oh, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize the first time I did it that the wheels were independent of each other. That never occurred to me. I just thought oh, they went together. Right, yeah. So when I first did yeah. it, I was on the board, and yeah, I just about went into the river. I, kept, <laughs> I did. Are, are you kind of doing a circle? And I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be. I really was. There was nobody behind so, you pushing. No. no. What, so what kind of pushback do you get from people or organizations when you start to talk to them about these issues? I don't know that you get pushback necessarily. You mean? Mm-hmm. Are you saying like if somebody has? Um, you know, because we do get people that call and say, hey, ABC company is not, you know, accessible. And then we have to go talk to them. Is that what you're saying? Or just I'm wondering general? when you start, because when you bring up a, a topic such as, hey, we need to accommodate for a, a fraction mm-hmm. of the population. Right. Mm-hmm. Some people push back on that and say, well, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if budgets are tight. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, I got to spend what I Well, let me throw one out to you. I mean, yeah. I, I just thought of this as we were yeah. talking. Let's say you had a wheelchair user who yeah. wanted to be part of this podcast. How yeah. would they get in this room? So as a business owner, how are you going to feel about that? All yeah. of a sudden, you maybe have, yeah, right. you know, yeah. so you've got somebody who maybe can't get in the room. So I guess I would put it on you. How does that feel to you? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. That's a really great question. So first of all, I would feel a little out of place, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't but, know what to do. Yeah. But then practically, I would go, okay, well, it's no different than any other thing that hap- occurs once in a great while. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we would we would have taken our production equipment and moved it to a different room and would have been done, mm-hmm. right? Without making a big deal about it, mm-hmm. you know? It's yeah. kind of, I, I view it almost like you invite somebody over for dinner and they, you know, you cooked a steak and they're like, well, I don't eat beef. You're like, oh, shoot. But you mm-hmm. know what? I got pork in the fridge mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll crank that out just as fast, but I'm not going to make them feel bad about it. Why, why would they feel bad about it? They don't. They don't eat it or they don't like it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so you make an, an accommodation for them. And if you knew that in advance, you would have made an accommodation right. before they got there. Yeah. And I think we have an education and advocacy coordinator, Eric Brown, from our office. And he's really good about working with, you know, people as we get phone calls, you know, the consumers who will call and say, hey, you know, I went to try to go to this restaurant and I couldn't get in. Or once I got in, the tables were so close, I couldn't even maneuver. Or, you know, the tables were all high. There was no low tables and things yeah. of that nature. And, you know, he'll he'll work with the, the restaurant. And, and certainly most of them are very willing to work back because that's a part of their customer base right. too and you know it's there's not a, like people with disabilities only travel alone you know typically right. they have other people with them and and so hopefully business owners will see that if we can make the community more accessible as a whole it's going to impact the whole community not just that small population and there are a lot of disabilities that people don't see Absolutely. as well i mean so for instance we we do some design work and i can't remember what the population something like 30 percent or something like that of men or some are are what is it blue green Colorblind. Oh, colorblind. Mm-hmm. We weren't right. sure where you were going, but we were ready for that conversation. <laughs> were you? <laughs> well, men are. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> men are inconsiderate. Men are... <laughs> anyway, you were saying. And they don't have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different conversation. We know where our feelings yeah. are at. They're tucked carefully away on that shelf. <laughs> we just did a podcast on hidden we feelings. Did, we did a podcast <laughs> this week. On hidden feelings, yeah. Was it a quick one? It <laughs> Wow. Oh. All right. Okay. Goodbye. 
And our waffles. Gonna, Your feelings are, yeah, our they're feelings are compartmentalized. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when they become uncompartmentalized, then the syrup just drains everywhere and you don't yeah. know what to do with it. Then you just got to <laughs> smear it around. It's just, it's a, it's a problem. The butter takes it. <laughs> I don't know this what is, metaphor that is. No, this is good. I like this. I like, I'm starting to get hungry now. It's still morning. Now you have no idea what you're saying. No, so so there are people who with disabilities that you would never even consider. Yes. And so mm-hmm. from even from a design perspective, and mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who I was talking with. It was two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago. I was talking with somebody, and uh, they they commented on a piece of design, and they thought that everything was just gray. Because they could not distinguish between the colors no. as they were sitting on each other. And I think it was the issue of blue-green. Yeah, it was actually a client whose colors are blue-green. Or is it brown-green? Because my dad has that. I think I think it's I think it's blue green, but I, yeah. I, I maybe I could be wrong yeah. on that. I don't I don't know the specifics, but it basically they put these two they juxtaposed mm-hmm. these two colors on one another, and they could not distinguish. The whole thing just looked mm-hmm. like yeah. flat stuff. There was no text on it really, yeah. and they kind of had to look at it and go, "This is just shades of gray." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't people don't consider those types of things as a. I mean, it's a disability, mm-hmm. let's say. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that's visible, and therefore, how do you accommodate for it? Absolutely, and I think you know that's something that you see more and more, and and. I think it's, is it more prevalent these days? No, it's just that we're being, becoming more aware. You know, yeah. the schools are more aware of it and, you know, hidden disabilities and learning disorders and things of that nature that I think that we're just more willing to embrace now. I think years ago it was like, you know, as a parent or as an educator, you just kind of tried to tuck it away. Yeah. And now it's like, you know what, let's let's embrace it. Let's see what barriers we have. Let's overcome them. Let's, you know, s- see what challenges we have. Everybody has challenges. It's just a matter of, of what they are. And, and I think it's our approach to it. people too, because, um, you know, when 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 a business is maybe inaccessible to some part of the population, the way we approach it makes all the difference. Because if we come in, you know, guns blazing, and you guys, I can't believe it, what idiots, you've, you've left out this part of the population. Well, now you've put them on the defensive, and they're not right. going to mm-hmm. hear anything you say. But if you come in and explain the situation, and hey, you know, you're right, you've got a part of the population that you're not able to serve. And that means customers for you, which mm-hmm. means money, which means, you know, can we help you um, accommodate? And the other thing we try to do is find the least expensive way. Um, I have we had the best situation one time we had a business that was just so freaked out because they had a conference room and it was um it had this huge heavy doors on it and they were going to have to spend all this money and put power doors and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like you could prop the doors open you know so we try to save people money we also yeah. had a school district who had a classroom for a, a, a person who had a hard time going up the steps and we said move the classroom just that hour down to the first floor can you do that oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know so we try again i think because people get so heated and worried and upset and they think oh i'm gonna have to spend all this money i mean like you oh we'll just move it somewhere else perfect you know that doesn't cost you a penny probably um so i think and that's what we try to do too is approach people just very openly like hey you probably didn't know because they didn't you know they weren't trying to be exclusive um and then the part of the disability i think that is um something that people miss a lot they think of physical disabilities you think of wheelchairs but there are people with mental health issues like amy said learning disabilities sensory you know hearing vision even even smell mm-hmm. you know there are just so many different disabilities that we don't think of um and and i think that's what's hard because how can you not hear you have ears you know people just again they don't mean right. to be but they just can't imagine that you can't hear but yeah so you're not for profit and you have you do all this great work in the world which is necessary work and it and it and it uh is education for 
many of us who are just ignorant right of of this topic with i mean it's ignorant i mean mm-hmm. it's, it, what do you want to call it? it's ignorance i didn't know yeah right that's true uh and it's not willful ignorance right um well, i don't know i don't know why i have to keep <laughs> how, how how much more should i know <laughs> Point taken. Thank you. Yeah. We've got it. We know you mean nothing by it. <laughs> People don't mean to be stupid. Thank right. you. That's true. They can't I, help I didn't it. mean to be so dumb. <laughs> so, uh, especially when I look so smart with these glasses. <laughs> years ago, it's a dumb story, but years ago I thought, boy, a person looks smarter with glasses and I should have glasses. And so I was talking to a business partner of mine at the time. We were like, you know what we should do? We should get glasses with just glass, just yeah. clear glass in them so we could look smart in meetings. So you could take them off. And now that we're on the video cast, you could take them off and go, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Right? That, like that was a prop. high school thing a couple years ago. My, my oldest daughter, her sophomore year, wore glasses her sophomore year and she did not need them. They were just... Really? Yes. Yeah. Were they empty? Like yeah. nothing well, in there? Well, she had actual glass. lenses in them, but they were. Glass. And so now she sees those pictures and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I'd like to see you get those clip kind that you can leave out right down here, then you. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've seen those. <laughs> oh my God. That's so, just fascinating so, okay, to me. Okay, so let's go Let's go back to the not for profit thing. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to talk about how I wanted braces until I got braces. And then I was like, my God, you what wanted have I done? braces? I thought it was going to be cool. <laughs> what? I don't you know. You like radio Children frequencies do or something? weird things. Yeah, I, thought I never I wanted could braces. Really Why? braces. The, the colors on the. You get to do change colors. I thought it was Who cool. Who wanted braces? I, it, I don't know. This is like the inner engineer in me was like, let's put contraptions in my mouth. So, not for profit, you're funded in part from donations. You're funded in part from grants. You're funded in part from state funds, mm-hmm. and then you've got private, private. You you sell them some things as well, right? That is a changing landscape for an important organization. Uh, how do you navigate that? First of all, as a nonprofit, we are a business, mm-hmm. and it's just an IRS distinction. So we do everything that every other business does. You know, we hire people, we fire people, we pay. Well, I was going to say we pay our taxes. We pay their taxes. Um, (laughs) We do payroll. We do finances. We, um, you know, we have sales. We have. So we've started to get into the entrepreneurial part of our business because, yes, we get state and federal funding. um, But part of what we do is we want our consumers, that's what we call our customers, Mm -hmm. our clients, to be independent. And to be fully independent, you're financially independent. And so that's what we would love to be. And um, so we started looking at entrepreneurial things, and we've been doing it for a long time. We just could never find that right fit because we want it to match our mission. We don't just want to be out there, you know, selling socks because that's going to, you know, make a couple bucks. I don't know why. And, it, pick and socks. there's lots of people doing that. Sure. Right? You're, you're yeah. battling goodwill, and you're battling sure. Heartland, and you're battling. You know, and for them, it makes sense. And for us, it just we wanted something that matched our mission a little mm-hmm. more closely. Um, so that's where we're trying to go with that. Um, and the other thing is when you are getting dollars from state or federal, and we are very appreciative of it. It's it's very um, constraining. And we are required to do exactly what they want us to do. And sometimes that just doesn't fit the mold. Right. What, you know, what Springfield has decided doesn't maybe fit Rockford or Belvedere or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just, we want to be able to do what we do best without those constraints. Well, I think sometimes, too, people think if you get state or federal dollars, you're getting a handout. Yeah. And I think what people need to know mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, those grants are things that are saving the state and, and federal mm-hmm. money. 
are saving them money in the long run. You know, for example, we have a grant um, that helps people um, return back to their homes if they're living in a nursing home. It's called community reintegration. Oh, cool. And the cost of returning somebody back to their home so they can live independently is so much less expensive than in having somebody live in an institution. So that program may cost the state money to give to RAMP through a grant, but in the end, we're saving the state money through providing those services. And that's typically all of our grants are that way. You know, our employment grants, you know, we are we have a, a grant and we get milestone payments if we help somebody successfully get a job in the community. Well, if you get somebody a job in the community, they hopefully can get off their social security benefits. Mm -hmm. They can be a tax paying citizen. They can be an active shopper in the community and help um, local businesses, you know, raise, you know, their uh, revenues. And so the more that we can get people out and active and independent, we're saving money. Um, and so those funds are not a handout, as a lot of people think. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, geez, well, why should they get that state money? Well, because it's saving money in other areas. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we're talking like sustainable revenue, right? Because mm -hmm. grant yeah. programs mm -hmm go up and down with the economy. I, sure. mean, I remember during the Great Recession, the big thing was you have all these nonprofits that help people in temporary uh, poor situations. And all of a sudden, the demand for their services shot up at the time when their income was was plummeting because the governments couldn't give as much and people weren't donating as much. Yeah. Now, from your standpoint, your need is fairly constant. It's not like if there's a recession, more people all of a sudden had disabilities, right? So you have pretty much a constant need, but the the grant opportunities, that does go up and down with the economy, doesn't it? With the economy and also with the legislators, you know, um, and I'm not trying to be flip, but sometimes there's what's the flavor of the month? You know, what are we, what are we supporting now? And um, so that can change with an administration. So it's not always, you know, money driven. Sometimes it doesn't, it's ideological and it doesn't always fit what we're trying to do. We've had that in the past couple of years um, where a grant, they'll, they'll start to say, well, this is, we're going to pull this back or we're going to send it out to bid. So you might get it, you might not. And so you're kind of waiting to find out and you're not replacing a position or something. And, and then the grant comes around and you're like, oh, okay. And now you're flooded and now you got to do this, you know, and we need you to go back and do for six months what you weren't doing while you were waiting for us to tell you what to do and um, and then there's other programs that are on the uh, on the bubble and they might cut those and so it's this constant um, it's constant stress and it just becomes really difficult and that's the other thing we'd love to get away from if we were fully funded by ourselves and we could create our own sustainable income we would love it um, you know Amy and her crew uh, raise about a quarter of what we what we need in a year we're a little over two million dollars and they raise 550 in a year and um, if we had more of that, yeah. if we had more money that we were creating ourselves, um, we could be so much. We could be so much more effective. I feel, um, and the entrepreneurial things are exciting for us, and they also give us opportunities to provide for our consumers because mm -hmm. we're trying to make them mission driven. Um, you know, trying to put people to work and and having them be a part of that, and um, so yeah, it's but it's this constant juggling. It's constant juggling. So the entrepreneurial stuff you're talking about. What are some of the things that have worked, and what are some mm -hmm. of the things that 
you thought it would work, but it didn't work. <laughs> Selling candles doesn't work, yeah. and, our state, <laughs> and our staff hates it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I first started, it's been about yeah, it 11 and a half years ago I first started for RAMP, and um, it was in 2007, and of course, 2008, the recession yeah. um, hit, yeah. and we started. We've got, okay, we didn't know if we were going to get our state payments. We've got to mm-hmm. get everybody on board with fundraising. I'm like, yes, you know, finally, I got everybody on my page with fundraising. And um, yeah, we did everything. We did candle sales. We did wine tastings, beer tastings, tequila tastings. We did <laughs> <Tequila tasting. laughs> any kind of tasting. Ramp. We help people with disabilities, and, and we're kind of right. a bar. Yeah, <laughs> and we're kind of a bar. <laughs> we're slumped over outside. It's tequila night. We'll do whatever it takes to make a dollar. Now, we've advanced since then in terms of, you know, it's not just a matter of doing fundraising events, but it's looking at different ways. And so we got a grant from the Blazer Foundation to work with Thinker Ventures and yeah. Jason and his team. And, you know, through those that experience, we really came up away with some ideas on ways to maximize what we're already good at. You know, what are our strengths and what are our assets and what can we do to utilize that and build it in with our mission. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that came out of it, as Julie mentioned a little bit earlier, is that our curriculum, you know, we're selling some of our disability related curriculum in the schools, but not just in our area, but we're really mm-hmm. trying to, to go outside of our four counties um, because we know it's worked here. We have very successful relationships with our schools here. They have um, provided great outcomes. They know it works. They, they're, you know, telling us we love it. You know, we want more of it. So um, why limit that to just for our four, our four counties? So mm-hmm. we're we're selling that out um, across the country now. Um, but we're also looking at, you know, what is one of our greatest assets? Well, I don't know if anybody is real familiar with where Ramp's located, but we're at 202 Market Street, which is on the corner of Water and Market, right downtown city of Rockford. And Julie was here way back when, when they took the risk of purchasing the building in mm-hmm. 1996. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she yeah. could probably tell the story better of, you know, <laughs> taking the risk of moving into a downtown area that people were not confident being in. You know, it was kind of like, what is this downtown area? Are we safe? Is it going to, you know, everybody was moving to the east side. Well, since then, you know, things have really turned around and, and things are booming downtown. Mm-hmm. And we sit right in the middle of it. And so we've got a beautiful building and it's kind of like, well, now what do we do with this? You know, we're a nonprofit, but we have this beautiful building. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we've, we've been talking with a lot of people and, you know, we've tried a few different things. We have a, a beautiful outdoor space. And so we've just put a little bit of money into renovating that and um, trying to utilize that space with private parties and different mm-hmm. things that either with city market or on a, a Saturday night, or we're looking at doing lunches on the, we're calling it the patio at ramp, mm-hmm. um, looking at doing lunches on a weekly basis where people downtown area can walk down to ramp and get their, um, you know, their pizza or their tacos or their whatever from a food truck in our parking lot and enjoy it on, on our patio and enjoy the outdoors. We're right across from the fountains and the river. It's really a, a nice place to be in the yeah. summer. So it's a beautiful space. And yeah, generate some revenue from ramp. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the some of the things we've... Yeah. And that's direct or, revenue, but also there's mm-hmm. indirect revenue that might come from that because now there's just a greater awareness that you even exist. Mm-hmm. And you can sell those candles. Yeah, <laughs> right. The ones in the, they're still sitting there. We'll let the, we'll you, let the candle sellers yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. So you much want to sell candles? <laughs> Apparently, he wants to buy them. <laughs> I had an oldest daughter; she'd buy some. <laughs> but you're right, Jason, and that was one of the reasons you had kind of pointed that out to us. And I think we had kind of missed that for so long that we had this great asset um, because you know we all have our wheelhouse, and our wheelhouse is providing services mm-hmm. and advocacy for people with disabilities. And so, thinking more in terms of for-profit things is is 
something we're learning and we're we're trying to get a handle on. And even doing sales for curriculum, we've hired for the first time a sales manager. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm trying to tell him what to do. It's like I don't, you know, what, what do you think? <laughs> so it's you know, it's kind of interesting. It's exciting. It's yeah. um, you know, trying to pull at that thread. Which way are we going? What's our niche market? Yep. You know, is it schools? Is it centers like ours? Is it um, after school programs? Is it you know? So there's a lot of different things out there that we're trying to learn, but it's it's kind of a fun um, fun um, learning curve yeah. to kind of f- figure that out. Um, but there's other ways, too. We have, like, our employment program, which Amy was talking about before, is paid through Social Security Administration, one aspect of it. And we love it because if we get somebody a job, they pay us, and then their funding um, for that individual, their safety net starts to go down a little bit as mm-hmm. they start to earn their own money so they can feel comfortable. We're paid, and it's long-term. It's about, you know, we can be in partnership with them for about three or four years to make sure that person stays in their job, is sustainable, hopefully is promoted. I mean, yeah. you don't just get in a job and sit there. You know, most people want to move up. And, That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's it's great. So even though it is um, government funded it's make it's a win 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 for us for the consumer and for you know the government who's who's helping to sustain this person so that i view as also kind of entrepreneurial and looking at some of our funding in different aspects and in realizing that it's and that's a program that we could grow and we have started to beyond our four counties too we can be getting somebody a job in california because it's got it's all online presence and it's so again that's kind of pushing us out of like oh okay how do we do that how do we market to them how do they know that we're out there how do they find us um so it's kind of it's kind of exciting and fun and different and yeah and yeah. it's a new world of opportunity now truly the, the this this interconnectedness and ability to get your message out beyond you know just this rock area or the four mm-hmm. counties that you serve is unprecedented now mm-hmm. and it requires new tools and new skills uh, but the opportunity is is amazing mm-hmm. you know yeah and, it's limitless yeah, yeah. and it opportunities that will stay here local you know the, yeah. the, the, the revenue that we're generating you know will continue to serve those that we serve in our four counties you know that yeah. that won't change mm-hmm. um, so I mean and it's you know Julie says you know it's our dream to to just you know, have those revenue sources and that we won't need that, you know, is that reality, you know, in the short term, probably not, but that's of course our goal and what we're working toward and, mm-hmm. you know, really trying to, to, to diversify yeah. in terms of, you know, having some different income streams so that, you know, if one, if one fails, another one is there. And so yeah. that's really what we're looking to do. Awesome. Well, how do people get in contact with you if they want to engage with your organization? They want to give us millions? Well, if they want to give you millions, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Is that, is that a different phone call? Here's my cell phone? number for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> or Amy's cell number. Yeah. You do you do a tremendous work, right? And there are people yeah. who might who who might want to yeah. give to that, and then there's For people sure. who might who might not understand how you could help them mm-hmm. in their particular situation. Maybe they're struggling on their own. How do they get in contact with you? Sure. Well, our main office phone number is eight one five nine six eight seven four six seven. Of course, we have a website. Um, a lot of it, it, www.rampsil, which is C I L cat. What's it stand for? Cat. What's yeah. the I? Indigo. Indigo. Lima. Lima. Dot org. Oh, yeah. are, those, are those the real words? <laughs> I, I think so. Okay. So are those the military <laughs> words? Uh, it, it could be. I used to know them at one point in time. <laughs> A lot of people kind of get confused by the SIL part, but, but we are yeah. Center for Independent Living is what it is really what stands is? for. Okay, yes. That came up last night, uh, Mosaic. So this guy was explaining mm-hmm. Mosaic as, it's a SILA 4, and we're like, what? <laughs> so a SILA is actually residential. Okay. So a um, community integrated living arrangement. Uh, okay. But we're Center for Independent Living. But independent living means 
all of us live independently. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're advocating for. And that's the idea It came out of um, Berkeley, California, the first center for independent living. Um, Ed Roberts was the founder, fabulous guy, he had polio as a child and could move basically his, his head a little bit and, and, and like a finger. And so lived in an iron lung about 23 hours a day. And finally, wow. when he was able to um, use a machine that he could go outside, um, he started the first center for independent living. He became the director of the rehab services for the state of California. The people who said he could never have a job, then mm -hmm. he became their boss, which I think is the most yeah. apropos thing in the world. Um, but anyway, he first started the Center for Independent Living, and he's the one who said 51% of your staff are people with disabilities. This has to be a movement of people with disabilities. I love that message, because yeah. that's what that's what you guys do. You, you, you work with people who somebody would say, you'll never have a job, and you help them become the boss. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good yeah. slogan. That like is. That. Yeah. Right. We're going to work on that. We'll yeah. work on it right after this broadcast. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Well, ladies, thanks for being on the What Works podcast. Yeah. Thank, thank, you. thank you for having us. The What Works podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at thinkerventures.com.